Welcome to the Facing Your Peers podcast, where we talk about facing the fears we encounter in education as teachers, students, administrators, and parents while finding our inner confidence to thrive. I'm your host, Amanda Alford, and today we're, we will be discussing facing the fears of failure from a t- parent's perspective with our guest, Katie Collier. Uh, Katie, thank you for dropping by. Uh, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Katie. I have two children um, in the school system in Switzerland County. Macy, who's a seventh grader, and Kale, who's in fifth grade, and I'm actively involved in the school and the community. So, and you went here. I did. I'm a graduate of Switzerland County, a proud graduate, as is my husband. Um, so it's really great to be able to. Um, we both graduated from here, went to college, had jobs away from here, and realized that. Really, the only place we wanted to raise our family was back in Switzerland County. We really believe in this community and the school system, and that's where we wanted our children to be. So as a parent, if you had a really good school experience and a really good upbringing in your school corporation, you want to bring your child into that same school corporation. Like I feel very few parents have the fortune and opportunity to have their children have the same teachers they did as a child. And so to know that my daughter is in the exact same first grade classroom that I had first grade in, and some of the same teachers are there, and to be able to share those memories with her, and it's the same, you know, your kids. Right. My husband went kindergarten through 12th grade here, and I um, came here as a seventh grader. And there is that fear factor when your kids start school It's very new to everyone, even though you have been in school. Enrolling your child in school is a totally different feeling. And to know that you have friends and um, family that work in the school, that gives you an extra level of comfort that other people are going to be caring for your kids, and you know that they have the best intentions for your kids. And also, if unfortunately for the kids, if they're not behaving, someone is going to let me know. Amen. And as a teacher, I think that's one of the first things I get asked is once I'm like, hey, I know your parents, just this look of dread is like, oh my gosh, you know my parents. I'm like, buddy, we went to school together. But then it helps build that relationship. Like that relationship is already established with the parent, with the student, with the teacher. And when I taught away from here, there wasn't that. Everything was new. It was harder to build relationships. It was harder to get to know parents. It was harder to get parents to trust the teacher. You're right. And I have found that actually my kids come home with more stories about Lance and I than we hear from the kids from the teachers at school. So it is. It's a great way to build rapport with the students, to have that community connection. Well, as I said, today we are discussing the fear of failure and the pressure parents have about letting their children struggle and fail. And I know as a teacher, I'm a big proponent about letting the child struggle. I want them to try to struggle a little bit. I want them to give it a try. And if they fail, use that as a learning opportunity. But on the flip side, as a parent, it's really hard to let your child struggle and fail, like, especially if you're a mama. It's extremely difficult. I'm very type A personality, very structured, organized, haven't always been that way. I really don't think I became that way until I became a mom, because as a mom, if you're going to survive, you're either at one end of the spectrum 
or the other. And I really envy the people who are just very free-flowing and no structure, and they seem very happy, but that's not the way that I can function. And so I'm very hard on myself. So that carries over to being hard on my kids and expecting a lot out of them. And there's a very fine line of expecting a lot out of your kids and pushing them too hard. And so that's something that I have struggled with as a parent. Um, I do have a lot of fears that I push my kids too hard. Um, But it's also okay to let them fail. It's okay to let them struggle. But as a parent, I feel like it's easy to fall into that trap, that social media trap that you see what other parents are doing, their quote, quote unquote, perfect life on social media. And their child is doing this, their child is doing that, our children need to be doing this. And you just have to put on blinders Mm -hmm. and realize everyone is different. Everyone's families are different. Everyone's children are different. And just really focus on your kids. Um, We have two kids and they are completely different. Our oldest, she is very structured. Um, She does put a lot of pressure on herself. She just really goes with the flow. You really don't hear too much out of her. She's very quiet. She is very quiet, except when she's around her friends. She's very quiet. Um, So you can really, at home, we can push her harder. Um, She doesn't get frustrated as easily. Whereas with our youngest, he really strives for our acceptance. He wants us to know when he's done something well. He wants us to be proud of him, which we are. Um, So it's been the hardest with him in knowing, buddy, it's okay if you don't get the grade you're expecting. It's okay to fail. We're still going to love you. It's fine. You know, it's it's just really difficult, and there's a fine line between um, the two kids. And so it's something that I struggle with a lot. Um, it's something that my husband is great with because he's very laid back. And I'm saying this, it's being recorded, so I can't go back. He is mostly always right <laughs> when he says, you need to take a step back. It's okay for them not Mm -hmm. to get that grade. When you look back on it, they're not going to remember it. No one's going to remember it. Um, What the kids will be remembered for, hopefully, is being kind to others, how they treat people, um, how they interact with their peers and their teachers, not if they had straight A's, not if they scored in the winning basket, not if they were homecoming queen, anything like that. So... Mm -hmm. It's a struggle. It really is. So it sounds like what you're saying is some of the common fears as a parent is really not only just letting them fail and struggle, but, you know, the social media does have pressure. As a parent and my child, like I'm a coach. I've played sports my whole life. My husband did sports. Our daughter could care less. And her birthday was just this past Sunday and we have a picture, one of her very first pictures. She was born uh, on March 17th, 2011. That was opening day of March Madness. That's when the tournament started. And my husband laughed because I watched basketball in between contractions. Right. I mean, this is Indiana. We are watching basketball. Yes. Her very first toy was a basketball. My husband had a basketball ready for her. She has no interest in any sport 
she loves ballet. Like that, that is her passion. And so from a parent's perspective who's very sports oriented, to know that my child doesn't have that, just struggling with that and being like, okay, let her go, let her be pink, let her be unicorny and sparkly. And she loves everything that I did not as a child. I was the complete tomboy on the farm. I was happy in boots in the barn. And that kid will throw a fit if there is a speck of dust on her sequence. Like she wants to dress, she wants to make up. I remember we were trying to get her to play soccer one day and she looked at me and went, mom, can we just do hair and nails now? <laughs> and, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. we can. And, and letting that go, like realizing that your child is not always gonna be just like you. Right, they're not a miniature version of their parents. And taking the ego out of the equation and just letting them be their own people, I think that is a huge hurdle to overcome. Yes. Because you want them to have their own likes and dislikes. And you don't necessarily want to steer them in one direction or the other because you want them to appreciate it and enjoy it. Um, but it is hard because they're, we aren't living through them. We've already been through school and we had our chance mm-hmm. and we had our good times and our bad times and so we have to step back and let them discover what they like um, what they enjoy and then actually we learn a lot that way because I was the sparkle and princess and all of that growing up and um, my daughter is the total opposite and so I've actually learned a lot from her on picking something that you really enjoy and you really don't have to work at it when you enjoy it. Well, and like you said, with social media as well, um, I jokingly call people Pinterest parents because on Pinterest, everything looks perfect. Right. Step by step, it looks like they have no problems. Everything's great. Like every photo they take looks like it could be their family photo. Yes. And you look around your house and you're thinking, I have dishes in the sink. I have three laundry baskets of clothes that have not been folded. You know, the dog has footprints coming through my hardwood floors. You know, my child's room looked like a tornado did more damage than, you know, well, it probably actually would. Like a tornado (laughs) would probably clean my kid's room more than it is right now. I hear that. And it, it makes you envious. Because it makes you think, what am I doing wrong? Like, why, why do they have it together and why mm-hmm. can't I? And in the equation, like you were saying, it never comes into what do they do for a living? How much time do they have? Right. How close are they compared to how far I'm driving? Mm-hmm. You know, how much is their spouse or significant other willing to help? Like my husband right now, I have track practice every day for the next 10 Mondays. He is taking our daughter to tumbling, and he is setting through eight-year-old tumbling. And then on Thursdays, he sets through eight-year-old ballet. And he willingly does it because he knows she loves it. He knows I can't because I'm, you know, trying to be dedicated to being a track coach. Mm -hmm. But not everybody has that. And and I think some people try to keep up with social media. Like, I have to do this. My kids have to be 
in soccer because this kid's in, in soccer. soccer and it it just builds all this extra pressure. It does. There's so much pressure. Um, we put so much pressure on ourselves. I think about when we grew up. I mean, of course, there were issues, there were problems, but it was such a less stressful time because there wasn't social media, which I'm so thankful for. <laughs> and we played outside. They're just, it's just a totally different time, and we have to prepare our kids for that. Um, I'm often telling them comparison is a thief of joy because it, it absolutely is. And you need to be happy for the people around you when they have success. That doesn't mean you're not successful, but you need to be happy for them. Um, but I really do feel that social media plays such a big role. Um, totally I'm trying agree. to limit their access to social, social media. And that's very difficult. Um, but I do just want them to be able to grow up a little bit more and be more mature before they have access to that. And, I mean, that's, I'm sure, another parenting fail that I will go through because it's everywhere. And you can't completely limit them from that. Well, and like you were saying, with comparisons, we didn't know, because, and our parents didn't know unless they were with other parents because it wasn't in your face. Correct. I mean, they, they're not getting notifications constantly going, well, look what so-and-so did. Well, look, you know, this kid in your class. And a lot of times I feel that parents also need to know their kids' limits and their interest. You know, I see parents who are putting their kids in three or four activities at a time, and their kids are miserable. The parents are miserable, but then the pressure that they put on the kid Right. Is even worse. It is. And I feel like the parents feel they're spending the money for that. They want the kids to do that. Um, usually when there's so much pressure involved, that's when something explodes. And so um, we've been through that. It's easy to fall into the trap of, well, this child's doing it, this child's doing it, so our kids needed to be doing it. And what we found is... You know, the more you run around, for us, obviously not for everyone, but for us, the more we run around and we're not home, we get off center. Um, kids are grumpy, we're grumpy. And so, again, we just have to step back and let the kids choose what they enjoy, what they thrive in, and that's what we go for. Well, and that even leads into academics. Um, when parents are pushing their kids so much and their kids struggle, you know, it's it's hard to let your kid fail because you want your kid to be on the honor roll. You want your kid to do well. Like, you are proud. And even when we were growing up, you would see those bumper stickers. You know, my kid's an A-B honor roll or my kid's an all-A honor roll at such and such elementary school. And you wanted that. Like, as a parent, you wanted that. You wanted to see your kid's name in the newspaper and have them get the little piece of paper that goes in the box that sits in the basement that nobody looks at, like you were saying mm -hmm. from now on. And even I've been guilty of that where, you know, my daughter's in first grade and my husband has to step in and say, she's in first, first grade. grade. It's okay to let her mess up. Like she's not going to get an A on every single thing this is why she's in first grade. She is learning, learning all of this stuff. So everything she does is for the very first time. 
It's nothing's review yet. And as a parent and as a teacher and as a coach, I feel like I don't want to be a helicopter parent. I don't want to be hovering, but that's hard. It is very hard. I personally, it took me a long time to realize my children's academics, that's not a direct reflection on my parenting. So they're going to have mishaps. They're not going to know everything about every subject, and that's okay. It's really okay for them to fail, for them to fall down and get back up because they actually learn more that way. And everything's not going to be easy. I think we get into the trap of just thinking about this moment, just thinking about whatever grade they're in and pushing them so hard. And you have to step back and realize we're preparing them for something much bigger than whatever reading class or math class that they're in right there. We need to be preparing them for life. And when they're in kindergarten and first grade, that's the last thing that you're thinking about because they're just cute little kids and people tell you how fast it's going to go and you're like, no, I'm in the trenches. This is last. This is going to last forever. And now that I have a junior high student in our home, wow, it is flying by. And so it really does kind of change your perspective that we need to prepare them for life and life is not fair once you graduate and either go to college or go into the workforce your mom and dad are not going to be able to hold your hand they can't come and talk to your boss if you get in trouble they're not hopefully going to come talk to your college professor if you fail something so life isn't fair we need to be able to prepare them to deal with the adversity Um, I think something that I have seen through activities that my kids are involved in and community activities that I'm involved in, it is so crazy to me the number of kids who will not participate in a project or an event or a sporting activity if they do not think that they will win. If there is a chance that they will not win, they will not participate. And we are seeing with some of the activities I'm involved in right now, participation is very low because if I'm not going to win, then I'm not going to do it. And that's really disheartening because that's not what life's about. And so, you know, you want to push your kids to try new things. It's okay if all of your friends aren't doing it. Actually, it's even better if all your friends aren't doing it. It is. (laughs) But, um... Because then there's no comparison. Right. There's no comparison. And if you enjoy it, it doesn't matter if your friends are doing it or not. Maybe you can open your friend's eyes to something new and get them involved in something that's out of their comfort zone. And the advice that you gave I really love is um, your child's grades are not a direct reflection of your parenting styles. Yes. And... I feel that a lot of parents feel that way. If their parent or if their child does not get all A's, obviously they're a bad parent. And I went through that myself. Um, this is my daughter's second time through first grade. And it's completely different when you're on the other side of the table as a parent being told, I'm sorry, but your child is going to be retained. And as a teacher, that's my job. Like my job is to teach. I have all these children who are in my care and my responsibility and that was really hard for me to deal with when they were like, your, your daughter struggles with reading. 
and she's gonna have to repeat first grade. And we did testing and we found out that she has a learning disability and it's specifically in reading. And even though I could see the facts, I could see the papers, I understood all the testing. And from a teacher's perspective, I'm like, well, this makes sense. This is why she's struggling. As a parent, I sit there and think of how much time we spend at home every night working on those baggy books and her sight words and her spelling words and all the, all the stuff that we did. And it wasn't enough. Like, her failing first grade obviously was a direct reflection as me as a parent and as a teacher. Even though there was paperwork showing, it wasn't. And even until a couple months in the first grade, like I, I had a hard time with that. And now she is thriving in first grade. She is making A's in reading. She will read in the backseat of the truck or the car and she'll read to other people. And she loves to read. Her confidence is so much stronger. And she has that foundation. Mm-hmm. And she needed that. And I now know that she needed that. And looking back, you know, and had you pushed forward and went ahead and let her advance to second grade. It would be horrible. Would, both of you would still be struggling. It's just, it's a very, very hard step to step back and say, there is nothing wrong with her. There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. She is unique. And once we figure out exactly what her needs are, then we can both strive. And it's a huge growing growth moment for everyone. But just getting through that in your it own is. head is extremely difficult. It is. And maturity-wise, she needed that extra year in first grade maturity-wise because now I see her with her little classmates this year and her maturity and her personality much more evenly matches her classmates now to where last year she was by far one of the more immature students, but it's also because she was one of the youngest students. So she needed that extra year. And my husband likes to joke, he's like, see, She's doing just fine. And I'm like, be quiet. Like, you're not, you're not going to be right on this. Like that's every now and then you have to let them know that they were right. I, you I do. Know. So, well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining me today. And thank you all for listening to the Facing Your Fears podcast with myself, your host, Amanda Alford. If you like my show and want to know more, please uh, like, subscribe, and follow me on Twitter. You can find this on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and YouTube, Stitcher, and Anchor. Uh, Please leave me a review. Join me next week when we are going to be talking about facing the fears of non-traditional students as we talk to sisters who went back to college in their mid-40s to get a college degree. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.